0: well good morning. good morning oh and if you're from an orthodox background happy easter he is risen he's, risen. he's still risen a week later but our orthodox friends i found out today that today is orthodox easter i didn't know that and uh someone last week wished me ha- he said he's risen in ukrainian which of course i didn't respond to but anyway he is risen that's awesome thank you uh amen (laughs) so this season after easter i didn't realize that i didn't grow up in a really formal church well it was formal but it wasn't It didn't really observe the liturgical year like a lot of churches did and um, I don't know if you follow Steve Belland, the the Winnipeg musician, but he has a blog, and he's kind of getting a little bit more into the Christian year, the rhythm of the Christian year, you know, um, Advent, Lent, Easter, and these six weeks or so after Easter is called Easter Tide. At least that's what he calls it. I just call it the six weeks after Easter. But we're still looking and thinking and marinating and celebrating the implications of the resurrection and what that means for us. So today, we're going to talk about, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of the implications of the resurrection and what that has to do for us, not just personally, but as a community. Next week, we're um, anticipating having one of the police chaplains from the Winnipeg Police Service speaking to us for part of the service. So don't be alarmed if someone comes in full uniform. They haven't... I always try to be discreet, so <clears throat> I, they may not be... Uh, if you can't be good, be discreet. So I'm trying to be discreet. They're not after me anyway. But uh, he'll, he'll be coming and sharing, and we'll be encouraging folks to pray for our community and intentionally pray for the Winnipeg Police Service as they serve the community and help build the community. And then after that, the week after that, in two weeks' time, we'll be having um, kind of a special day. Um, I, I warned the elders, we might call it three hours of worship. And they're going, what? That sounds like my experience in some of the Haitian churches when I went to Haiti. Like, they just didn't pull at any stops. They didn't. None of these measly 20-minute chats from the front. They worshiped for a uh, Good period of time. Um, so, but what we'll be doing? We'll be uh, eating together and worshiping together and visioning together and and uh, rolling some, making some decisions as a church family at our annual general general meeting in a couple of weeks. And there are some handouts in your mailboxes that you can pick up today and take home, and so you can pray and and, and plan ahead. But for the next few weeks, we want to be focusing on this new community, this brand new community that God. Has created as a result of the risen Jesus so today we want to celebrate the fact that we are under new ownership if you ever see that on a storefront or under a restaurant um, just the fact that wow there's new owners and so hopefully the menu or the the inside of the place will change for the better it might be different but hopefully for the better. There's something anticipatory and hopeful about that sign under new ownership. There's a new sheriff in town. That things are going to be different, and that gives us hope and promise. Now, there is a whole industry. Dan, I might need your help with the thing here. There's a whole industry about self-improvement. You can go to any bookstore or website. There's people make a gazillion dollars over the whole idea of improving ourselves and and the hope that maybe something good will happen and that change will happen and that's generally a good thing i mean who doesn't want to be a better version of themselves right and we all have dreams we think oh tomorrow i'll just i'll do better right The thing is, with human beings, although I know we can change ourselves, and I'm generally, if you read my blog this week, I'm generally an optimistic person, but optimism does not trump hope. As Christians, we have hope because of what is designated in that window over there. Hope because of the resurrection. Hope because Jesus came back from the dead. Hope because there's a new creation. There is a new sheriff in town, and his name is Jesus, right? And that gives us hope, hope to change from the inside out. So this morning, I want to read... Oh, just before I get to that, over a period of history, people have gathered together and said, you know what, it's not just change individually, we need change internationally. So after the First World War... Some countries got together and began the League of Nations, and we said we have to have some way to avoid the awful carnage and slaughter on the battlefields of Europe, so they formed the League of Nations. That functioned for about 15 years and kind of fell apart uh, in the late 1930s, and then after the carnage of the Second World War, which is almost like round two, the United Nations were formed with great optimism and hope that finally we have a place where, as nations, we can kind of police ourselves and have the kind of planet we should be. Well, if, if you're a student of history, you know there's kind of been mixed results from the United Nations. Some things have been helpful, some things not so helpful. And often it, it just kind of dissolves into petty feuding and politicking and, and dis-ease and, and unhealth. It seems to be the the best we've got so far. The, The bottom line is I'm not trying to diss the United Nations this morning. I'm just saying that is an example of humanity trying to solve its own problems. We can do that. We can try to do that. And we may make some progress. But ultimately, we cannot change ourselves from the inside. And we can't change society or our planet just by trying harder. We need a complete transformation slide so the scripture i'm going to read to you today is from second corinthians chapter five and it goes like this so from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view though we once regarded christ in this way we do so no longer therefore if anyone is in christ new creation has come the old has gone the new is here All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So, three implications from this passage that I've read that I want us to think about. We are under new ownership. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... New creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. If you're following Jesus, you're a new person. You may not feel like it. You may not totally see the seeds of that. But as far as God is concerned, you are a new person. And he is the one that you need to listen to. He's the one with the authority to pronounce if you're a new person or not. There will be times, after you start following Jesus, you'll be plagued with doubt, and you'll question yourself and you "Did think, what really happened back then? Was I sincere enough? Did I have enough faith? Did I pray the right prayer? Did I do things right? Is this Christianity stuff really true or not? Is it really going to work, quote-unquote? The bottom line is, if God says, you're a new creation, you're a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, new creation has come. And you're new. You're made new. We'll talk a little bit about the implications of that in a minute. But basically, that's really something to celebrate. The old is gone. The new is here. I'm not on Facebook. Um... I'm not that cool, but sometimes I, I creep on Luann's instead. And she showed me uh, a Facebook post uh, a few years ago, a friend of ours. Um, this couple now live in Sudbury, and uh, they were part of our, our church plant in Ontario. This fellow named Duane started to follow Jesus. His start, walking with Jesus, started at the Goose and Gridiron Pub in a little town in, in eastern Ontario. We went out. He lived in this little village, and there was no place to go for a, don't worry, a cup of coffee. Seriously, literally, it was a cup of coffee at the Goose and Gridiron. Some of you care, and some of you don't, whatever. Anyway, we had coffee at the Goose and Gridiron, and Dwayne had been looking for Jesus. He'd been trying to figure out things. He'd come as his, his wife was following Jesus, but was like, well, not sure. He's just trying to figure things out. He liked our church because he could play basketball after the service. It was one advantage to running a school gym. You have fellowship and prayer in one half and you put up the divider and you play pickup basketball after the service. So he came to the basketball church for several months and finally we went out to the Goose and Gridiron and had the come-to-Jesus talk. No, we just had a conversation. And I said, well, what, why don't you start to follow Jesus? Do you want to do that? I said, yeah, I, I'd like to do that. Can, is it okay to do that in a place like this? i said i think this is the best possible use for the goose and gridiron man let's do it so he started to follow jesus in the goose and the goosing gridiron and ever since then we saw duane become a new person he was a very likable guy before outgoing and really interesting i learned so much about helicopters from this guy he's a helicopter mechanic and knows how to fly them and he had all these cool stories he was such a a, a pleasant guy before He's different. He's a new creation. He's a new person. And on that day, he decided to start following Jesus. And it's a great story. And the reason I referred to Facebook is that um, his wife posted uh, just a comment um, years later and saying, I'm so glad I have a pastor who's not afraid to take my husband out to the Goose and Gridiron and talk to him about Jesus because that's where Duane started Following Jesus, but he was a new creation. He was a new person, and that goes on to his day, onto this day, and it extended to his family and friends and and clan and all his the people he works with. It's amazing, and only God could do this. Again, he was a such a likable guy before, but God has made him a new person. God promises that with us, that if we're in Christ. We are a new creation. It's a new deal. And we need to revel in that every day and trust in that and live it out. If we're a new creation, then we have new values. Paul starts this passage out to the Corinthians saying, So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. What does Paul mean regarding someone from a worldly point of view? From a point of view in in our pre-Christian days or before we meet Jesus, we look at people, we evaluate them on their outside appearance. What's typically the second question you ask someone after you meet them? first question is generally what is your name often the second question is why do we do that what do we do why do we do that sometimes hopefully i'm going to be strength-based today and say because we're genuinely interested in other people and usually we are but what often triggers after we say what do we do what do we do with that information yeah we evaluate some of us do i mean some of us i mean maybe you don't okay this is just me but it's it's tempting to go oh okay Hmm." and we go what do i think of all these different options right we evaluate people we tend to we are tempted to then evaluate people based on what they do and that's what the bible says regarding someone from a worldly point of view oh you're a self-made billionaire. Got 10 bucks? You know, it's like, hey, you know, how about an inside tip on in the stock market? Or, you know, maybe you're not at the top. Maybe you're not one of the 1%. Maybe you're part of the rest of us, the, the rest of the 99%. We evaluate people and, and we look at people and we tend to judge people from a worldly point of view. We give them, we place value on people based on, what they wear, where they live, what they drive, if they drive anything, and all these other external things, right? We, we place value on people based on the externals. Which, when you think about it, is so junior high, isn't it? Most of us got out of junior high, I think, Nothing wrong with junior high. You just don't want to be stuck at the age of 12 and that maturity level. Hopefully most of us are beyond that and we're not looking and judging people based on appearances and externals. But what Paul is saying, we have new values. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Even Jesus was judged by his appearance, who he hung out with, you know, isn't this Joseph's son? Isn't he some carpenter from Nazareth? Who's this ragged street preacher who thinks he knows something about God? If people were judging him and evaluating him. They still do that today. They'll tell you all kinds of heretical nonsense, like Jesus was the illegitimate son of so-and-so, and he was just kind of a, a charismatic character who attracted a bunch of ragtag things, critters who just they're just a bunch of rabble and they'll tell you all this nonsense people are judging and evaluating people jesus still from a worldly point of view we know better not because we're smarter we just have experienced jesus and we know better and we don't look at jesus or other people from a worldly point of view because we have new values we look at people as fellow human beings created in God's image with value and potential. And we see people and we connect with them based on Holy Spirit in them connects with the Holy Spirit in us. And it's amazing that we can have brothers and sisters from other cultures and other countries. Maybe we can barely speak the same language, but all of a sudden there's that connection, right? It's a beautiful thing. That's God's spirit. And God's spirit is intent on seeing the world reconciled to the creator and his creation reconciled within itself. So God's ministry of reconciliation, that's what we're getting on to. Maybe the next one, please, Dan. Ah, new purpose. So we have a new new ownership and we have new values now we have a new purpose all these things all this is from god who reconciled us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation we're therefore christ's ambassadors as though god were making his appeal through us now think about this when we get up every morning why do we do that well the pets need to be fed the kids need to be fed i got to get to work or else I'll lose my job. There's all kinds of reasons for getting out of bed in the morning, right? There's a few others that I won't mention from the pulpit. But anyway, there's lots of reasons to get out of bed in the morning. Here is an excellent, compelling reason to get out of bed in the morning. We have a new purpose. God's given us this ministry of reconciliation. God has reconciled us to himself through Christ. We were broken, we were lost, or wandering around in the dark, desperate, we didn't know which end was up. All of a sudden, the creator becomes one of us, dies an ugly death that we remembered on Good Friday. Ugly, nasty death. Comes back with all these scars and saying, hey, I'm back. Things are different. It's a new day. There's a new sheriff in town. There's a new creation. There's a new deal going on. You can be a new person. And guess what? We can be in on this. We can be part of God's plan of reconciliation for the whole world. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So that's what Christians should be into. We should be into God's ministry of reconciliation. I don't know if you've seen my office door, but I've got a little nameplate there. It says, uh, Rick Hill, intentional interim pastor, junior partner, junior partner. Let me underline the junior partner in God's ministry of reconciliation to the whole world. That's my job. It didn't fit on a business card, but I put it on my office door. Why? To remind myself, that's my job. That's what God is calling me to. And Rose Sister Rose, you are part of God's ministry of reconciliation of the whole world. You are a junior partner, and we are business associates, as well as brother and sister in Christ. But we're partners in this ministry of reconciliation of the whole world. Pretty cool, eh? It's absolutely cool. And I've been watching you, and I'm encouraged by how God is using you in this ministry. So we need to encourage each other and find each other catching ourselves doing something right, not just to pat each other on the back, but saying, hey, so how's the reconciliation business going this week? You know, um, that's, that's it. Our, our ministry. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. Now there's a scary and encouraging thought. Imagine God making his appeal through us. So he's talking directly through us through us to other people so the people you meet on the bus or at work or at home or in the neighborhood or in the mall whoever you're encountering and if god gives you the opportunity to have some kind of a positive interaction with people it's like god is making his appeal through us be reconciled to the creator the creator loves you he's chasing after you in a good way not stalking you while well, lovingly stalking you, he wants to he wants to surround you with your love and he wants to be reconciled with you. That's the core problem in Canada. People are not reconciled to the Creator and therefore they can't be reconciled to each other. You can have some reconciliation between human beings, but ultimately you need to be reconciled to the Creator before you can really have that reconciliation with other people. When I was out of university, I wrote the Foreign Service exam to be in the Foreign Service of Canada. I thought it would be really cool, and maybe they would pay for me to travel to other countries and do cool things and, you know, hobnob with diplomats. I did really well on the exam, but they didn't want chemistry grads in the Foreign Service, so it didn't go any further than that. But it was interesting to think about it. Then I thought, you know what? God's called me to be his ambassador. He's called you to be his ambassador as well. So our homes are little embassies, little diplomatic outposts in Winnipeg and surrounding areas. You live in an embassy wherever you live. If you're following Jesus, you're an ambassador um, of of Jesus Christ. You're an ambassador. You bring the good news to wherever you go as part of your daily routine. At work, at school, in the neighborhood, wherever you hang out, You're an ambassador of Christ. That is a tremendous, tremendous honor and responsibility. But I just like to think of it as an honor. Not that we're special, but God loved us so much he's reached down and reconciled us to himself and given this tremendous opportunity. That's fantastic. That's a fantastic opportunity. Now, my purpose today is not to fill us with guilt about what we're not doing that's, that's not helpful, and Satan wants to paralyze us with false guilt and false accusation. My purpose today is encourage us to say, Lord, we need your help. We need your equipping to be the ambassador of Jesus that you've called me to be and to thank him for this privilege and to say, Lord, how do you want to pour your spirit into me so it will just overflow Remember that verse we talked about last week? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. My prayer for all of us is that we would overflow with God's hope.